connection to Wisconsin. Uh, so I'm joined on the phone for this uh, media call by uh, John Keacock, the research director of the Wisconsin Council on Children and Families, uh, State Representative Daniel Reamer, and uh, Kevin Kane, the lead organizer here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And so I'm going to give a very brief overview, then turn it over to, to John Peacock, uh, really uh, someone who has tremendous Medicaid expertise and all of us in the healthcare advocacy community rely upon, uh, followed by uh, State Representative Daniel Reamer, and then we'll have Kevin Kane, our lead organizer, talk about some numbers uh, that he's been tracking on, the, on what this proposal is. So here's the deal. It's not really been heavily reported in Wisconsin, but entire, almost all of, in fact, all the new Medicaid states that have expanded Medicaid under the provision of the Affordable Care Act have not done so in the traditional way. Uh, we've tended to debate this in Wisconsin in terms of either taking all the money for the Badger Care Program all the way up to 138% of the federal poverty level or not doing so, or, of course, what Governor Walker did, which was uh, it, uh, in, in, increase Badger Care eligibility up to 100% with the federal government getting the traditional match, therefore losing money, leaving money on the table, and then asking people from 100 to 138% of the federal poverty level who are on Medicaid and states that initially expanded to put on the uh, new health insurance marketplace with the subsidies available there. Uh, the new expansion states have all proceeded with a different mix of private and public where they have gotten Medicaid money uh, to pay for some portion of private insurance. And so it's called premium support. And so in that way, they've both gotten the extra money from the federal government, but also done a different mix of public versus private insurance when it comes to people below the poverty line and just above the poverty line. Iowa, which we're pointing to, actually has exactly the same eligibility um, uh, numbers and mix of public and private insurance as Wisconsin. It looks very much like the plan the legislature passed in Wisconsin, except that the federal government is paying for it, so it's saving their state a lot of money. It would save us hundreds of millions of dollars in this next budget if we did this. And also, the Medicaid money is being used to make private insurance affordable for people just above the poverty line, between 100 to 138% of federal poverty. So we see this as a win-win. You get the same mix of public and private insurance, the same eligibility levels as Wisconsin, but the federal government pays for it. It's much more affordable for people just above the poverty line who will have tremendous difficulty affording the co-pays and deductibles associated with private insurance. And so that's, we're proposing that this is an excellent way for Wisconsin to consider taking the money in this budget. It is different than what was debated in the, when, when the uh, state originally decided to turn down the money, Governor Walker and the conservatives in the legislature. And it meets uh, most of the criteria that have been laid out uh, by them as far as how, how health insurance should look, with more, pro more private health insurance than the way the uh, original states who took the Affordable Care Act money actually proceeded um, at the beginning of the process. So with that, I want to turn it over to uh, John Peacock to comment, the research director from the Wisconsin Council on Children and Families, and just has a really depth, great depth and breadth of knowledge on Medicaid issues and has tracked them for years. So, John, thank you very much for joining us. And thanks, Robert. And, and I'll be very brief because uh, I, I think this issue is pretty simple. Uh, it boils down to the fact that we can't afford to keep turning down the federal money for the expansion of Badger Care. Uh, the number of childless adults that we're serving in the below the poverty level is 
far, far above what the state anticipated. We we thought there would be about 98 or 90,000, 99,000 childless adults by the end of the current biennium. We're currently over 140,000. So the savings from taking the federal funding are far greater than what we initially anticipated. And we have to find a way to break the current political logjam Look at the fact that the federal government has given states quite a bit of flexibility in different ways of of addressing this issue, and it's time for Wisconsin to explore those options and come up with a way to get this done. So I applaud Representative Reamer and the other legislators who are looking at the Iowa plan and, and the compromises that other states have uh, have developed so that we can find a way to help close the hole in, in the state budget. Because if we don't do this, there are going to be very substantial, very harmful cuts in, in Badger Care and other areas of Medicaid. We have to find a better way. Thanks. Thank you very much, John. And John will be available for questions at the end of the call as well. Uh, I'm going to turn it over now to State Representative Daniel Reamer, who's in his second term and is really stepping up as a major leader on health care issues, and, uh, and so, which we really need in the legislature, and, uh, and looking at this critical issue. So, uh, uh, Representative Reamer, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you, Robert. Thanks, uh, thanks as well to John for your, for your comments, and thanks to everyone everyone on the on the line for being on this call. You know, uh, Wisconsin has for so long been an innovative leader in healthcare and in focusing on ways to change public policy to ensure healthcare quality, healthcare access at a low cost. In the past few years we've stumbled and I think in part because of the ongoing debate between uh between the pretty polarized positions on this on this issue. Now, this is an opportunity through this idea to break the logjam that, uh, that Robert and John were referring to, and and given the fact that the state is facing an $824 million gap in GPR, which was uh, estimated recently by the uh, Legislative Fiscal Bureau, uh, between the amount of taxes that we're going to take in and the cost of keeping up current programs, this is a great way to cover the gap in the state budget, to make sure that more people have access to affordable care, and to really push forward again, make Wisconsin a leader again in innovative ways to cover more people at a lower cost with higher quality. Um, so I'll also be available for questions about the bill and, and how this will go through the political process. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Representative Reamer. And uh, finally, Kevin Kane, our lead organizer here at Citizen Action Wisconsin, has been crunching the numbers to see how much healthcare consumers who currently don't have access to badger care, who would have if we'd taken the money, how they would fare in the Iowa plan, this uh, this hybrid plan uh, that that Iowa has got, has gotten approved by the federal government, and we'll also be sending out a chart uh, later today that documents all of this as well. So, Kevin, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Uh, now for the fun part. Uh, so we, we decided to crunch uh, what an individual who was just over the federal poverty line, someone who was, say, 40 years old and making $12,000, a little bit over the poverty line, would pay in, in different uh, major metro regions around the state compared to their equivalent in, in Iowa. And the main difference is that I was able to take the federal funds to make sure these individuals could actually afford the private plans that they would now be buying. They're still buying qualified health plans, uh, just like here in, in uh, Wisconsin, but the federal funds actually make them a lot more affordable. So somebody in Iowa right now who is making 12000 a year, uh, 40 years old, doesn't matter where in Iowa, 
are paying uh, zero monthly premium and zero out-of-pocket uh, right now. And uh, this is pretty similar to what other Medicaid states who did take the money are doing. But these are, again, qualified health plans, private plans uh, that, that these individuals are, are uh, enrolling into. So these plans, just like in, uh, in Wisconsin, are still private, but the, the federal funds make sure that these individuals can afford them. We broke them up, uh, again, by the major metros to figure out what, say, a second lowest cost silver plan uh, for someone of that age and income limit would pay. And I'm happy to, to answer any particular region that anybody on the phone would like to hear, uh, and we'll have this in a full chart. But the amount that individual is going to pay is really based on the kind of plan they get and, and the size of the tax credit, as well as the amount of uh, use they, they put into it. So we might see somebody with a $20 monthly premium in, in most of these uh, cities, which still is $20 more than their equivalent in Iowa. But we also might see individuals with um, something along the lines of maybe a $500 deductible in lacrosse. Uh, and possibly as much as a $1,000 out-of-pocket maximum in places like uh, uh, Hudson and then the Twin Cities kind of suburban area of our side of the, the, the uh, state, um, or 1400 out-of-pocket maximum in places like uh, the Fox Valley. And so we put a range on our chart here. Uh, we can break this up. Someone in Milwaukee who is of that income limit would pay anywhere from 290 to to $1,000 more per year, per person, uh, than their equivalent in, in Iowa. And so these are tremendous costs that these individuals who are, are really some of the uh, lowest, although not quite the lowest, uh, poverty uh, grouping, are, are really not truly able to afford. It's, it's dollars that are taken out and not being able to be used in other areas, like the other basics that they'll, they'll need to spend in their communities. Uh, so it could range anywhere, depending on what metro they're in, from 240 per person per year to 1,400 per person per year, depending on how much they, they go to the doctor and depending on which kind of plan is available in their area on their tax credit. So uh, we will send this full uh, chart out. Otherwise, uh, toward the end, we can uh, answer how many people in this uh, region would be impacted by this for each area, as well as the, the range that they're likely to save if Wisconsin switched to the to Iowa model. Thanks, Kevin. And let me open up for questions uh, for anyone on the call. Kevin, it's star six, right? Uh, they're, I believe they're currently unmuted. They're unmuted. Okay, yep. everyone's unmuted so they can talk. And Kevin can also give civic numbers for any uh, region uh, that, that a particular journalist on the call is interested in. So uh, questions from any, any of the reporters and on the call. Um, sure, I have a question for, for Representative Reamer. The, uh, mm -hmm. On the on the logjam issue, uh, you know, is, isn't the argument against accepting the funds that the U federal government is in a bunch of debt and is likely to renege in the future on any of these these uh, Medicaid funds? So, I mean, it's what? Why would this? Why would this argument be, land any differently to somebody who has who has uh, uh, argue that, well, there's, there's just the, the, the feds are broke and they shouldn't be paying for this at all. Sure. You know, and I, I do think that's an interesting argument. First, I, I would say the counter-argument to that, which was true during the last couple of years, and I don't mean to rehash that argument in its entirety, was that the um, state of Wisconsin, in addition to most states in the, in the union, accept federal money for uh, medical assistance for Medicaid, in the case of Wisconsin, for Badger Care uh, already. We're just getting a, a more limited matching rate, uh, usually about 60% uh, of the federal government. The state is on the hook for 
uh, for forty percent of the difference. Um, and, and of course, the, the, the states accept uh, accept federal resources for all kinds of other other projects too. Um, infrastructure projects, education-related expenses. Um, so, so to some extent, I, you know, I, I don't want to rehash that whole argument. I think that uh, for for those that have made up uh, their mind on, on that, this may not be the most persuasive approach. But I do think the difference is is that uh, it, it changes the structure. The state has currently uh, decided that, that the governor has has made it pretty clear that he would like to uh, cover folks up to 100% of FPL under the state's Badger Care program and that those above that should be on the exchange. Now, the, the fundamentals there are different, uh, but it allows for the state to negotiate with the feds in a way that, uh, that I hope gives the state more, more power, more negotiating ability to uh, create an arrangement with the feds that is acceptable and hopefully uh, gets around some of those concerns about the, the nature of the federal, federal government's debt and, uh, and the need to control spending there. But at the same time, Wisconsin's got to look at our own our own uh, uh, accounts and, and figure out a way to reduce and, and uh, get rid of the $824 million gap uh, uh, facing us in the next budget. Um, and, and this is one of the big ways to do that. Let me add, this is Robert Craig, something really quick on that. I'll be a little less politic. I don't think the money is not there argument is the real reason, because uh, no one takes it seriously. Uh, the state last budget had uh, around $14 billion in federal spending in it, federal money in it, the last state budget. This will have, next one will have even more. Everyone who looks at a state budget sees the federal line item for, uh, for funding is very large across many issue areas. A lot of that money is spending that could go away any time. That's be passed every year by Congress and signed by the president. Medicaid money is mandatory spending that's be repealed, which is very unlikely. Uh, so, in other words, this is the safest amount of money there is. So, we think the real reason is not that, and that's why we, of course, don't address it here. We don't address it because we think it's a talking point. I mean, others can disagree, but I don't think that that's the real reason the money was rejected, and it, it makes no sense to any, anyone who's looked at it closely and looked at the state budget. So, um, other questions? Uh, this might be, I'm sorry about this, but the, the, uh, the other question, I, I, I feel like I've heard more about the... Um, uh, about a, a probably a similar plan in Arkansas is Iowa's plan similar to Arkansas? Can someone speak to what the what sort of the what's the the range of different hybrid plans that exist? Let me start quickly. This is Robert and the others weigh in. Arkansas was the first, and so it got a lot more attention. Arkansas was even more private. Arkansas, yeah, everyone's on private insurance. The premium subsidies paid to through Medicaid, except the, uh, the, the extremely extremely frail popula populations, people with disabilities. Uh, and then since then, a whole lot of other states have done different waivers. And Iowa's the one that we both like the best, and the one that's identical to Wisconsin in terms of eligibility in the mix of public and private insurance. But there's a lot of variations between what Pennsylvania asked for and got, what Michigan asked for and got, what Ohio asked for and got. There are a lot of variations because, as, as John Peacock pointed out, uh, the feds are allowing a lot of flexibility for states to, to reach their goals. So I actually think that um, this is something where. Uh, the Walker administration could also look at this and ask for something, some things that are slightly different than Iowa, uh, as long as they reach the goals of the federal government, that is, to make sure that health care is truly affordable to people um, below and slightly above the poverty line. Anyone else want to comment on that who's, who's on the call? Okay, well, so that's the answer. There's a lot of variations here, but Iowa's the closest to Wisconsin, both geographically and in terms of the policy. <laughs> 
Well, Republicans hold both chambers. Republicans hold the governorship. And, you know, even though there were uh, nearly 20 referendums around the state approving, encouraging for accepting the dollars, there hasn't been any type of rhetoric coming out of Republicans for accepting this. You know, Democrats can't do anything to pass this. So how do you convince a Republican chamber to pass something like this that they've been very much against for the past two years? Sure. Sure. This is Representative uh, Reamer just responding to that. You know, I think you I think you have to make the case. It is not the it is not the kind of proposals that Democrats put forward uh, two years ago. It is a proposal that 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 you know again keeps intact the uh, the relationship that exists between um, uh, you know or not the relationship, but it rather keeps in place the the number of folks who would be uh, eligible for Badger Care. And those that that would be eligible for the for the marketplace, uh, but it changes the relationship between the state and the feds with respect to the matching rate. Um, you know, my hope is to go in to to offices and have candid conversations with some of the, the Republican leaders and, and 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 Republican lawmakers who are looking most at this issue and care a great deal about balancing the budget and making sure that the the folks in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, have access to health insurance and making the case, um, but uh, but you're correct in saying that, that Democratic minorities on their own don't have the ability to do this. Um, but but I don't think it's true that, that that any lawmaker is is unable to make the case to his or her colleagues about the um, the wisdom of a particular plan. And this plan is is different than the proposals from two years ago. Do you know anyone in the Republican caucus and, you know, either chamber that, you know, might be behind the scenes that would be polling for this? You know, I I, I think uh, I think we'll have to see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, we're back in session and we've been back and I've begun conversations with folks about a number of issues. Uh, this plan is still taking shape. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope um, that there will be some of my colleagues who have an open mind about this proposal and uh, are willing to, to to meet halfway. But you're correct in, in, in saying that this would this would need to get past a, a Republican majority in the Senate, a Republican majority in the Assembly, and uh, and be signed into law by a Republican governor. Uh, you know, I guess it's our hope that because uh, a Republican governor in Iowa and a, a split legislature uh, made this the law of the land in Iowa, that there's some uh, potential for the for the Republican uh, majorities in the state of Wisconsin to look at this plan seriously, and uh, hopefully move forward with it. And uh, one other addition I'd had, I, I agree with uh, Daniel Representative Reamer entirely that this has been done by Republicans in other states. Is that when Governor Walker was asked point blank on Wisconsin I, would he look, would he consider the kinds of Medicaid expansions occurring in other states being done by other Republican governors? He said they were going to look at all options. That was just a couple of weeks ago. So that is that is the governor on the record that he'll at least look at these options, which we think is very positive. Uh, Anyone else on the call want to comment? Uh, yes, right. John Peacock can add to that. I, I think the political dynamic will be a lot different in this budget than it was in the last one. In in the last budget, the, the state managed to to balance the Medicaid budget without making significant cuts. But we saw from the Department of Health Services budget request that there's a gap of about seven hundred and sixty million dollars uh, in funding 
or that they need an additional $760 million for the Medicaid and Medicare budget. And the state isn't in a position, I don't think, to fill that hole. Uh, I expect there to be significant cuts in Medicaid and, and Medicare care in this budget. So it's one thing for uh, Republican legislators to say that they are uneasy about this expansion and would rather stick with the governor's position on it. Uh, it it's something else to come up with a better alternative for filling that very large hole. All we're asking uh, is that they consider, that they truly consider all the options, put aside ideological blinders, and evaluate the merits mm -hmm. of taking the federal money, coming up with a compromise like the Iowa plan. And it can be made contingent upon the availability of that federal funding, uh, which a number of the other states, uh, like Arizona, have done. Great point, John. Uh, that's a very good point to mention. So, um, any other uh, any any other questions from our reporters? Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, and let us know. We can give you specific information about your area, and we're also going to send out a chart uh, as soon as we can turn around the press release, and so that'll come your way as well. And uh, let us know if you have any other questions or want to talk to anyone else on the call. We'd be happy to set that up. So thank you very much, uh, John Peacock, uh, Representative Daniel Reamer, Kevin Kane, and uh, everyone who joined our call. Uh, have a great week, everyone.